Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Uh, hey, if you just press play, you're missing out on 28 minutes of content. We actually just recorded talking about director. So because we're talking about George Washington, a movie directed by David Gordon Green, uh, who is the director who did the Halloween movies, and both Daniel and I kind of came up on opposite ends where he didn't like them and I did. And then George Washington's a really good movie with the Criterion release. I thought it'd be interesting to do a Patreon discussion with Melanie where we talked about directors who have noticeably good movies. And then noticeably bad movies and kind of yes. the dynamics of who they were. You get to hear the directors and which movies those are if you pay for $3 a month. Support on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. And uh, yeah, we get into not just talking about movies, but well, I'll mention one movie. Um, we t- Well, no, I don't even need to, but we get to talk about not just the fact that the movie's bad, but maybe how it was shot, who was directed, all the specifics of that, while also why it is so easy for directors to have such a flimsy filmography where it can switch back and forth. Because it really is just that simple. Sometimes directors just, they just put out stinkers and it's just interesting to think about. So yeah, $3 yeah, a happens. month. There's a lot of other um, other perks. Uh, you'll hear about that as you listen through the episode. Um, but we are here to talk about George Washington. Mm. In particular, I I uh, picked up this movie because I because I I like the Halloween movies. After rewatching all three, especially last year, I was really impressed with David Gordon Green's direction and work here. And I also just like that his movies, th- those movies, felt grounded and real. And uh, I've been wanting to chase movies that are more grounded and real. And so I was like, all right, George Washington has a Criterion release. I'll pick that up on a sale. I could not wait. I just picked it up anyway. Thank you, Christmas money. And uh, it blew me away. And so I reached out to Melanie and wanted to be able to do it on the podcast. So the two of us checked it out. Uh, George Washington is a dialogue-based coming-of-age poverty drama. And it's got a very poetic, redemptive atmosphere to it. Although Mm -hmm. it is also (laughs) drenched in melodrama and nostalgia. So it's the sort of the movie that smells like summer, both the good and bad, Mm, the chlorine of the beach or the chlorine of the pool and also the sweat that's coming off your back. It is rank in that way, but it is also like really, really uh, cozy in that realism. Uh, It follows a group of teens and preteens, I guess, combined um, as they Mm -hmm. go through this summer and then a couple adults, not many, but a couple adults come in and out uh, th- uh, throughout the movie. I guess we'll name all of them in a minute, but or as we're discussing, but it's more or less irrelevant because the movie has a very light, very light plot. Um, well, right. I guess, and I want to name the characters then because you have Naja, George, Vernon, Buddy, Sonia. Because it's more about the characters as they progress. So, like the movie starts with Naja and Buddy breaking up. Uh, Naja says they're breaking up because. He, he she wants someone who's more mature <laughs> and they're all 13 <laughs> i think she's like 12 or something like that 
I actually think she's younger than him. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what Vernon says. He's like, y'all 12. <laughs> what do you mean mature? Right. It's supposed to be They're playing like 12, around. 13, yeah. <laughs> uh, Adnaja breaks up with Buddy to go out with George. Uh, Buddy is more theatrical, more conversational, whereas George seems to very much be more um, observational. Uh, mm-hmm. He's more reflective. He seems to watch uh, as opposed to being involved. And part of that is because George's character he was born with a, I think they said it was a skull that is not uh, sealed or it's, it wasn't that yeah, it was cracked. Like, it was just like incomplete, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's not fully sealed. So like the skin around his um, skull is also like, it's just his whole head is very sensitive. So he can't, mm-hmm. he has to walk around with a football helmet on his mm-hmm. head because if he hits his head, um, it could affect his brain or I think they said even possibly kill him. They could just die. Yeah. They, yeah. They, I think Buddy, I think Buddy's the one narrating. I can't remember which kid. It kind of varies uh, who's narrating. Yeah, you definitely get a lot of na- nausea. Yes. Nausea does nausea. a ton of. Uh, yeah. She does uh, a lot of the narrating and stuff. Yeah, narrating. And um, yeah. So because of that, uh, he can't get into water or else the skin on his head will soften, which then causes his skull to move, which could literally cause his brain to fall. And right. then, uh, and so part of that, the reason he's reflective is probably because he's trying to be safe all the time. So he's a mm-hmm. much more quieter character and that's mature for Najah to, to be going out with him, uh, <laughs> which is extremely endearing. Um, and then Vernon is sort of the big tough kid. He's aggressive, He's but he's not necessarily mean. Um, no. It's reasonable to say he's aggressive and that he's not always caring with his words. But yeah. it's clear that he's not trying to be mean because he's pr- uh, preserving his friendships with everybody. Um, and yeah, the movie kind of just moves forward from like this breakup and then the dynamics of that as they go through the summer. Uh, the couple adult characters are Damascus, who is uh, George's uncle. I can't remember if it was that his, both of his parents died, but he is staying with his aunt and uncle and Damascus is his uh, yeah. uncle. And he's got a sister, so right? So his dad is in jail. His dad is in jail. That's right. And then, and then his mother is 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 dead. His mother's dead. Okay. And so he's staying with them. And Damascus is constantly doing work. His introduction to the film, uh, more or less the first character we're kind of given description of is him yelling at his boss about not getting workers' compensation when dogs are attacking him while he's working out in the uh, on the railroad. Because he pre- preps railroad, it seems to be, but odd jobs. It seems to be what Damascus does, and uh, he's kind of uh, distant from George. George seems to have a bit of a fear of Damascus, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, I, that kind of sets kind of sets the stage. I, I I feel like this is a movie that we can. Uh, well, I want to first hear what you think of it, because um, at least for me, I recommend it. So I actually want to like block off spoilers before we get into stuff, because right. I would like to I'd like people to know what to expect before getting into spoilers. Uh, like I want to pro- I want to promote the movie. I think it's a good movie. Right. You should go watch it. So I don't want you to get spoiled before that. But but, right. uh, but I figure that gives a, a good enough background. I don't know. What do you what do you think of the movie? I think so. Yeah, I th- I thought it was. I thought it was really good. I wasn't sure I'm what so to glad. expect. Okay. Yes, because <laughs> I. So I I appreciate it. Like when you when you talked to me, you kind of explained like this is the kind of film that you're walking into. So there's like a lot of really young actors, and you know some of the the dialogue might not feel like you know very fluid um, in the acting, but there was just mm-hmm. something so charming about them. 
about their their youth and about their innocence amidst yes, yeah. just such poverty and turmoil and it's like a documentary eventually tragedy yeah like it it felt that way and and i and i love how you described it earlier how it's just like this slice of summer you know where you kind of get to see like what like like a moment or a memory in their lives and mm-hmm. um you really just you 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 really get to kind of go on this journey you almost feel like you're part of the gang in some aspects yeah at least i felt that way like you're like you're like or walking around with them, like when they're just hanging out and, you know, doing their thing. And yeah, I'll, there's, there's more things that I can describe when we get to the spoilers part of the film. But before that, yeah, I just think it's, I would, I would recommend people watching it as well. I feel like it's, it's, um, it's very interesting. I feel like it's going to feel different than maybe some other films that have been coming out recently. And I think it's a really, interesting picture of adolescence. And so if you're someone who really enjoys movies like that, I definitely think you'll, and you'll like it. And what I also, sorry, I had two thoughts at the no, same it's okay. time, <laughs> but I had to go back and finish my sentence. Um, the other thing I liked is that it wasn't long. I feel like if no, it was a really long film, I would have minutes. hated it. 90 minutes. Very quick. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yes. Again, this was a film that did not need to be two and a half hours long you didn't need all these like flashbacks or whatever. Yes, it's yeah. just like it's again, it's like you get a you get a picture, you get a memory of what happened one summer. And I think that that's it's charming and and interesting. And I really liked it. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Yeah, I I was impressed with just how, I mean, I already kind of introduced it by talking about David Gordon Green, but like I was really impressed with just how um, immersive the film is in its yeah. just like movement through time and through emotions Um, I never once felt like characters were doing something that seemed irrational. I only ever really could tell. I I, I was only ever going, yes, that makes sense that they would do this. And yes, like that's makes sense that they would feel the way they do. There, there are times and it's, it's important to mention like all of these kid actors more or less have no other credits. Um, Some of them have, similar credits like mm-hmm. i like on average it was like three um and then the other two were like the same project so it seems like they did a oh, couple okay. together but um for the most part none of the kids are other stuff and yet as you're watching the movie and this is where i think um uh gordon green shows and he directed this at 25 so this shows his talent at 25 yeah for directing to be able to translate so much information both in the way that the film is shot and as the script is transferring information that you know what they're thinking regardless of whatever their acting talent is of which i mm-hmm. think is good i think all of the kids perform very well yeah. uh, i never once actually thought any of the kids were acting bad uh there's maybe one time when it seemed like maybe the kid wasn't acting well sonia she's this uh uh, pretty much she's like the only white girl that hangs out with them and she's very quiet doesn't pretty much say anything at all yeah. and um, very much uh, both in her character 
uh, is very uh, distant and apart from everybody, but then also yeah. noticeably distant and apart from everybody. And um, uh, yeah, she she has one set of lines that almost seemed like maybe it was in another movie would be more dramatic or more extravagant and more emotional or tear-filled, mm-hmm. but it was delivered just like how I would assume a child would when sharing exactly. information that yes. is as sad as the information Definitely. that is shared. Yes, uh, I felt the same. Yeah. It's like you know what words to say, but you're not old enough to process how to share it in a way that's maybe keeps somebody close to you, but distant enough that they maybe don't pry or mm-hmm. just just the when you're an adult, like you, you have all the you have ego. That's so much half of the reason you maybe don't share what your sin struggles are, or maybe the things that are causing you shame in your life, if they're external even. And those things don't exist yet for these kids, and probably mm-hmm. in real life, maybe they do, but they don't perhaps know how to express them in an acting performance. And so all of it works when the dialogue is aware of that. Uh, it's just, it's really impressive to me. I, I would almost say some of that is lightning in a bottle where it's, it's lucky. Um, but yeah. half of movie making is luck. So it's, I don't think that's a bad exactly. thing. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It's, um, it's impressive. It's, uh, Melanie had mentioned that there were like some other adolescent movies that were similar and like, yeah, if, uh, just before we get into spoilers, yeah. If you liked eighth grade, you'll probably like George Washington. If you, Danny Darko is more theatrical, more Hollywood, but if you yes. like Danny Darko, you'll probably like George Washington. And then if you met, if you watch, uh, the last black man in San Francisco, which nobody has seen, uh, but if you saw that a couple of years ago, I think 2019, 2018, um, I think 2018, that movie, uh, is also very similar again, a bit more theatrical and indie, but has some similarities, including a scene on a stage with a character performing, um, and in a more or less a similar fashion. Uh, but basically the movie has no plot line, uh, for about 20 minutes. And that's in a pot. I mean that positively, like it's very much you getting into the film and the film has a uh, really great cross-generational relationships. Uh, that's one thing I actually intended to mention, but the film has kids and adults talking like normal people to each other, which I very right. much appreciated. Mm-hmm. I just think obviously in real life, that's something that doesn't happen enough. And I wish it, did more even in my own life i i you know i'm 27 so i'm an adult now i can just do it with older people but <laughs> right but you can put um, yourself in that category but these are like preteens and being able to talk with adults safely and like have like a yeah. mutual respect was just really wonderful to watch in fiction because it's again it really never happens yeah i thought that was a very i thought that was that felt very real to me as well mm-hmm. not that it's it's I don't know if I would say, I don't know if I could speak to how common that is, but I would definitely say that I've seen that happen. And I Mm -hmm. think that is a very good and healthy thing where, you know, teens can express how they're feeling in a way where they don't feel like they're going to be talked down to. So I do agree like that kind of mutual respect and just being able to confide and share things I think is good. Um, I don't know if all the advice was that great. I don't really <laughs> remember it too well. So I feel like there's some nuance in there. I'm speaking ven- very, very generally. Um, but I, I did like that they they seem to have somewhat healthy communication. Um, so I think that's a that was really interesting. And they're friends. It's like yeah, it's just friends. the joy of like these people 
just liking each other, wanting to spend time with each other. They yeah. don't just talk. They also do activities together. Uh, Paul, Paul Schneider is in this movie and he, uh, Mark Brandanowitz from Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. There's just like multiple scenes where he, and he's the most prominent, probably adult in the movie where he's just Definitely. talking with the kids. And then like, they do something together. Like at one point they play with sparklers out in a field or later on, George is like leading traffic. <laughs> and, right. and at some and point, he, like, uh, I think yeah, he's just like, can I help you? And then it's just like, he's doing it in a way an adult would, which is like ex- boisterous and fun. Yes. And it's just, it's really joyful. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so it's a it's a very warm movie uh, that kind of is is difficult to watch. Um, I invited somebody to come onto the show and they were having difficulty working through it. And then the person that they were with uh, was also uncomfortable with it. And I guess we'll get into that when we get into the spoilers uh, more properly because we had more thoughts to share before we got into spoilers. But right. Um, but it is a very warm and compassionate movie. And I would actually say that. Um, the thing that I'm alluding to uh, by it being difficult kind of helps it, uh, draw out that warmth in a way that's much more um, raw and realistic and, and intimate yeah. um, when we get into that. So, Enjoying this episode? Grab that share link and tell your friends. Word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners, so don't be shy. Share the episode wherever you can. So I guess now we'll officially go into spoilers. spoilers. Um, so about 20 minutes into the movie, uh, George now, uh, you know, we've learned like George has a soft, sensitive head and we've learned that the, the, there's been this breakup between Naja and buddy and buddy is kind of testing. He's not, they're not antagonistic, but buddy's just like trying to get to know what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. We keep seeing George with pets and like lizards and just really cool animals all the time. So you know that he's reflective, soft, and gentle. He's got a dog that he found that's just like liter- described as literally being found in poop, like its own poop, yeah, and he cleaned like it off. Very, but he cleaned it off with like yeah. dirty water. It's really, really yeah. sweet. Um, and he's feeding it gummy bears and I think like pepperonis or something. It's really cute. And uh, he's keeping the dog because he uh, he's keeping it hidden because he knows that um, or he suspects that if his uncle sees the dog, he'll kill it because um, he knows he, his uncle doesn't like animals. And he asks his aunt why. And the aunt just says he just doesn't like him. Yeah. Uh, as the movie continues, the kids are all uh, Vernon, Naja. I'm sorry, Vernon, Buddy, George and Sonia are playing at like a, a like an abandoned. There's a lot of um, urban exploration, passive, I'll say urban exploration in that. It's urban environments that are completely decrepit and they're just exploring them because that's what you do when you're a kid. And they're hanging out in this bathroom. They have no supervision. They're just Yeah, they're just out. chilling. <laughs> um, totally chilling. No supervision. Uh, just vibing. Yeah. Uh, up until they start getting a little too rough and Buddy ends up pushing George. Uh, well, Vernon and Buddy are playing around and then George pushes Buddy. Buddy pushes George and he hits his head. And it's like extremely But tense. he's wearing the helmet. He's wearing the helmet, um, but it's still freaky. And then he pushes mm-hmm. Buddy back and then they start pushing Buddy around and then Buddy slips and hits his head on the ground. And you think he's fine because he gets back up, but then he kind of slumps over to one of the stalls, picks up a rod, aggressively beats the wall. And then we get a shot showing the back of his head and he's bleeding. And then he passes out and he is dead. It is devastating. It's it's yeah. shot in a way like it is a 
a person who knows they're about to die and is making their last cry of fury and anger of like, why was I born just to die? It's very, uh, the movie really is poetic. Like it, there's a lot of things that I feel like happen that are fully up into interpretation while also being things you imagine people would do anyway. Uh, this being one of them. And, uh, then the kids just sort of sit around and try and figure out what to do with buddy's dead body. Um, and, uh, they all put him where they think they can and then leave <laughs> and they hide him. Uh, buddy earlier was wearing a, like a lizard mask while standing on a stage performing something. And uh, yeah. Rico Rice had come in going, is that the Bible or Shakespeare? One of the best yeah. lines in the movie. Uh, so he's been, he's currently dead now wearing the lizard mask, put into some trash to hide away. And the rest of the movie is then the characters, all three of them, Sonia, Vernon, and George, kind of then just expressing <laughs> this trauma uh, in... Yeah, trying to live through it. Yeah, it. and uh, before we move on to what I think is the next spoiler, because I set up the dog, um, <laughs> which I guess is spoilers in its own right to say that, but uh, mm. how were you, you doing at this point in the movie? How are you feeling about it? I'll be honest, I kind of saw it coming. Sure. I'm yeah, like, it, it felt like it was... <laughs> it was yeah. n not initially, but it it just felt like, especially when they were all in the bathroom and they're pushing each other around, just being a teacher, I know something bad's going to happen. Yes. You know, yeah. like kids, the floor's wet, the kids are pushing each other around, they're fooling around, they're not angry per se, but they're right. just doing what they shouldn't be doing. Or just not necessarily, maybe not even that. Well, yeah, you shouldn't push each other if the floor's wet, but they're just playing around and they're not being careful. Mm -hmm. So I was like, something's going to happen. This kid's going to bump his head. He's going to get like just something bad's going to happen. And what I predicted came to pass. And there was a part of me that was hoping he wouldn't die. Mm -hmm. But I just I got the vibe. Like as soon as he hit the ground, I was like, this is this is just what's going to happen. And I was really interested in knowing what would happen after that. Like, how would these children? react because these children are in an environment that is just very different from what either I grew up with or what the people around me currently experience. You know, these are children living in poverty. These are children who are basically growing up very fast. So there's like yes. no supervision. It's not that there's no like familial bonds that they, that, you know, they do have that. But it's almost like they're little adults. They're given a lot of freedom. They, yeah, even the way they it's like Midwest freeform adolescence. Yeah, even just the way that they talk to each other just seems very like grown up, but not quite because yes, it also yeah. kind of sounds like they're repeating what other people are saying. And yes. I love the picture of that when all the girls are like sitting and talking to each other. Mm -hmm. This girl is 12 talking like she's like in her twenties, you know, and she's living her adult life. Yeah, I'm like, but yeah, you're yeah, so it's, young. It's sweet. But what's sad <laughs> is that that ha it's like, there's like a sweetness, like, Oh, I see what you're doing. But at the same time, it's like, wow, you've, you've been, you've grown up very, very quickly. And there's just something, no matter where you land with that, especially if it's something that might make you feel uncomfortable, it's something that's real. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what I walked away with. Um, with that. So going back to the scene, I, I knew that was going to happen. Um, I was devastated and just very, very sad. And I, and I really appreciate how you phrase that where it's like his last cry, 
um, mm-hmm. before he passes. And so it's just, it's just really what I really loved about the film is how you saw each of them, how each of them processed what happened. Cause I don't even think the film is necessarily about the tragedy. Right. Cause then I feel like it all kind of just falls to the background and you're really more just focusing on these children and not only this memory, but the regret or the, the trauma that they're dealing with. That seems to be more so at the forefront from their perspective too, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, it's a movie that's uh, just like the first act, which is like, you know, nobody's died yet. It's very patient and warm and just sort of giving you characters that are just kind of living their life and just talking. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie really is about people and kind of the intermingling confusion of existing at all um, yeah. in just the, in all the right ways. Um, and without being too like aggressive, like this isn't, yeah. there's really no, there's no sexual content in this movie. It's not right. like going like, like how can there be good things if rape exists? Like it's not doing that, which so many art films trying to, and like frustratingly. So um, it's, it's more just like uh, even just the subtle injustices to like the concept of death or accidental death in this particular case, um, mm-hmm. or being born with like a, a, a head that's not fun- finished and like just all these kind of things that are both, um, all these things about life that simultaneously life itself brings joy, uh, colors exist and that's crazy. My taste buds mm. work and that's insane to think about music exists. Birds chirp. That's awesome. Also, I can't get in water or I die. Like that uh, juxtaposition of living in the particular age we are in right now, the film kind of goes through where there's so much joy because of the interpersonal relationships of the film. But then there's a ton of sadness because you as an audience member are seeing the setting that they're in and how like there's no like like these aren't kids going to the YMCA. Like it's, it's not that kind of joy that's being experienced. Um, which for me, like aesthetically, I love movies like this where they kind of have that, where the resilience and joy of life is, um, present in the gift of each other, uh, where that kind of itself is wonderful. Mm. And I think the movie has that a lot, uh, as it progresses, uh, and of course there's other joys, uh, beyond that, but right. th- in this particular case, it's here. Yeah. And I think it's also just what they know. Like, it, like, it, yeah. like, it's the, you don't know anything else other than this. Right. So I like how they're, they're small, well, small, they're not small, but all of their suffering is just so normal. Mm-hmm that it's just, this is just the life that they lead. And that's why I think why it's not given so much like emphasis that they're poor because everybody in the film is poor. There's not like poor people and then they're interacting with rich kids and being bullied or anything like that. It's like, no, everybody's coming from the same environment. So it's more just like, rather this film seems to have chosen rather than focusing on them being poor or focusing on them having physical disabilities or um, even just this horrible tragedy that happens, it's like, not that that aspect is normal. It's definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the other things that surround them, it's like, even when you hear Sonia give that whole speech, which I'm sure you'll get into later and how, like you said, she just kind of gave it so, 
not casually, but just without tons of emotion, it's probably because she's probably seen more things outside of that. And it's just, it's their reality and they don't know anything else other than that. So it's kind of just with what we live in, these are the joys that we find and these are the bonds that they have created. And um, it's just very interesting. Hey there, listener. Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for $3 a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. So jump on over there and have your voice heard. And there's no cynicism either. There's no, uh, like, there's no... The film isn't watching people have joy surrounded by poverty and then kind of pointing out the poverty. Um, Yeah. Also, there's no, like, comical 90s land developer who's the villain who, like, hates the poor and finds them a nuisance. And trying to shoo them out or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, And so, yeah, so as the three of them are kind of developing their thoughts uh people are realizing that buddy has gone uh missing they don't know where he is um george later on sees that his dog also has gone missing and is not quite sure where he is as the movie progresses we kind of um we we have another scene where uh oh there's a kid earlier on uh vernon is playing rough with a kid in the water uh they're at the public pool and george is sitting at the side not in the pool Right. Um, which is kind of sweet that they they all still went together, even though George can't go in. And he's in mm-hmm. a bathing suit, which is also very sweet. Um, and it would happen. Like, he just wants to be included as much as possible. Yeah. Even, which is like, to go nice. the furthest he can go. Yeah, right. I, I thought that was just, like, such such a good scene. It was a sweet uh, But Vernon is then picking up a kid in the water and throwing him around who has a neck brace. Uh, which is just a <laughs> Which would happen. Yes, it would. Just like, these are children <laughs> yeah. doing things they shouldn't do. Which Seems is very like, real. really, uh, I, I had a friend of mine who um, was on the spectrum and he specifically said the reason he enjoyed our friendship is that I talked to him like he was normal. And I just said, what do you mean? Mm. Like, uh, And he's like, well, you don't talk to me like I have autism. And I said, "Why? Would, what, would, what would that even look like? Because I wouldn't know. And so watching in the film, kids kind of just like treating each other like they're all physically normal is endearing and sweet because it's yeah. rough and scary because this kid's got a neck brace. And we later learn that it's like, I think he said his jaw's not aligned or, or there's something yeah. about it. but. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, they're all friends. Like they all goof off. Vernon's a little, a little mean, but they're all getting along. They're all messing around um, with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, and but uh, later on, George. Oh, uh, and the kid in particular says, "I can hold my breath for six minutes," which is just really cute <laughs> and a very kid thing to say. Yes. But then later on, uh, George ends up going to the pool. And sees the kid with the neck brace in the pool upside down, like fa- uh, uh, belly, belly face down. down in the water. Yeah. Face down in the water. That's it. Thank you. And so you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just did you try? Start, we're just killing kids in this movie. I can't believe it. And But George, uh, the sweetheart that he is, um, who, by the way, it's specifically Buddy, who when he trips and falls, it is because George had pushed him. Um, although George, Buddy is the one who slipped on the water, um, but it is George who still was the initial um, push. Um, George is then the kid who runs into the water to save this one kid. And he, uh, he does effectively save the kid. The kid can breathe and he's fine. Uh, but George then sits down because he realizes he's, uh, he's 
getting dizzy and uh, yeah it's the the water is affecting his brain so he ends up in the hospital uh but then he's heralded as a local hero which mm-hmm. you as the audience knows that he's definitely conflicted about that because definitely. he just killed buddy um and uh, he doesn't say anything and well, he, he seems more reflective buddy, but he, he right he, he instigated that. the kill move um he yes. got the points if this was a video game um because he put the last hit on him uh so to speak but it was it's enough that you know that george is self-aware and feeling shame insofar as a kid can feel shame like like george because george is very reflective and not not um not super expressive. He's very, it seems like all of his stuff is more internal. Um, and uh, by this point we get Vernon and Sonia. Vernon is uh, hanging out in the bathroom where Buddy had died and, and Sonia standing in the doorway uh, in probably what will be most people's most memorable scene. Um, this was the scene that really solidified to me that I was like, I'm, I'm falling in love with this movie. Um, me too. Yeah. It's uh, it is like, I, I I'm just, I'm looking at the quote right now and I'm, getting emotional so i'll try and read it it's and i don't think it's the full quote quote but it's a lot of it um the parts that are important uh but yeah. basically sonia's standing there and just wondering what he's doing and vernon's just sort of ta- he's talking out loud trying to rationalize and understand the situation of like how could buddy die and he says um uh i just wish i had my own tropical island i wish i was i wish i could go to china i wish i could go out of the states i wish i had my own planet I wish there were 200 of me, man. And I wish we were sitting at computers and we just brainstormed all day. I wish I was born again. I wish I could get saved and get my life to Christ. Excuse me. Uh, Then maybe he can forgive me for what I did. I just, I wish there was just one belief. It was my belief. Boy, that is a lot for a 14 year old kid. And he said more than that Uh, too. Like it's going, (laughs) it's, it's very, um, authentic it's just it was, <laughs> yes it was just it it cut me like i i paused and i was just like that <laughs> devastating that was so <laughs> it was so real because i think we can all like resonate with that feeling i am slightly getting teary-eyed but it's just <laughs> it's, the i almost said it yeah <laughs> it's, it's just especially when he talks about christ there was a little bit of a an ache for me because you know, you have so many people who are suffering who feel that they what they have done is so terrible yes. that there's no way that they can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And what they don't realize is that, that that's not true. That for those who believe in Christ, there is forgiveness for for all sin. And it's just um we see that in scripture, like it's 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 um, I'm losing my words, but all that to say, it's just, it, it, it pained me to hear him ache so much to, to not see that he, you know, that he is, that he can be saved. He doesn't have to start again, mm-hmm. but he can be born again in Christ. Um, yeah. Doesn't he specifically, he says something like, oh yeah, yeah. I wish I was yeah, born he again. Does yeah. Say it's that. Like, I wish like I, I was just start over <laughs> like, like a, but it's a, it's a Ugh. plea that you can just totally you feel it. You really, really feel it. And it's just so sad because it's, um, he, it's like where he's kind of reflecting on this, this state that he's in, not just mm-hmm. because of what happened, but just his whole life. Yeah. And it's like, I want to escape. I want to just not be here. And I want to, I want this, this sad, guilty, grieving feeling to go away. And it was just, it was just done so 
well. I was I was very moved by it. It's amazing. I don't know why this kid's not in more movies. <laughs> what happened? Right. Like, and I was just, just like, ugh. Like, and I think that's where you really see his tenderness. He was my favorite character, and it was it was really solidified by the scene because I feel like with Sonia, you you get her reserved nature. You know, mm-hmm. we all respond, people respond to trauma differently. I am not a specialist, but I do, I do know that trauma can manifest itself in different ways. And so she is someone that has seen a lot, but with Vernon, there's kind of like a, there's a vulnerability there that you are able yes. to see. And I, and I just really appreciated that they took time for his character to do that. I just thought it was really moving. Hey, hey, hey. We have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. Yeah, Vernon, the whole movie up to this point has been, um, I would say it's reasonable to say he's combative. Uh, he's, Mm. um, always got something to say. Somebody says something back, he can quit right back at them and they more or less will shut down. And he's all, and not only that though, he's also confident. Um, in the beginning of the movie, he goes to Naja and is like, why are you doing my boy dirty? Like he's, he's reaching out because he's like, yo, buddy's my friend. Like, and so Mm -hmm. it really speaks to how guilty he feels because buddy was his friend. He would stand up for him. And, um, one of the, the, the devastating things about death is when they're alive you can stand up for somebody but once they've died what are you going to do like there's there's nothing you can do to preserve their dignity because there's dead there's nothing you can do to like save face because they're dead and like it really is this finalized thing the curse of death is the end there is nothing like some people will say death is a part of life but it's more accurate to say death is not a part of life it is a completely functionally other thing um, yeah. in every sense of the word. And this particular monologue, um, it continues. He he goes, it's not here on IMDb, and I did not write it down because I was watching the movie, but it, right. he can kind of calls out Sonya because he's like, why aren't you reacting? Like, you just haven't said anything. Right. And like, we got a really good reaction shot of her too, like kind of just like resituating, like, because she realizes she's getting targeted and um, and targeted about something that like, she has more or less said nothing in the whole movie so far, but you know, Mm -hmm. it's something that she's aware of that. She's aware of that. She's not reacting um, to things that otherwise are traumatic. And like you said, it's probably because of uh, exposure to other things. And uh, what Vernon is really asserting is like, I'd like to be saved or be God because then I justify what's happening and I can, I can Mm, fix it. Right. Like if I could just figure this out Um, and you just can't like, it's a point I think a lot of people reach. I mean, you were talking about like believing, like if only he would believe if only he would reach and it's a movie, right? The movie develops and and it continues and there's time. These characters exist beyond the film. They don't exist at all, but they be uh, exist beyond the film within the way the film is made. And, Mm -hmm. um, the the idea that they could believe that Christ died on the cross for their sins and that they could be born again and that they could live new is in some way not overt, but is I, I was reflecting something I wrote down was just the fact that they're actionable. None of the characters hit despair. The characters respond to what has happened and don't stay there. So as the film continues, 
Um, Vernon ends up talking with Sonia again. And Sonia also starts to confess, but a little differently saying like, um, asking like, can you keep a secret? So she's about to share something that's like really personal and just sort of says like, I'm not good. (laughs) And I think bad thoughts. Uh, and then starts talking about her family and how her family's bad and that they are all bad. And then none of them are no good. And what am I supposed to do with that? And it's, it's, mature to reflect on the fact that you also are not good and there's a point in which that needs to stop like you you are not so bad that christ can't save you and then now if christ has saved you you've been given a new heart and so there's this transition through sanctification of becoming good and experiencing good and being able to do good um genuine good as opposed to just kindnesses and um right uh but this idea of like the two of them recognizing and thinking like there were no good and then uh, doing the things that kids do, which is run away. Um, mm. They take their experience and turn it into action. Um, it seemed like they were going to die again, but more oh children were going to die. Right. Um, and just the the only goof that exists in this movie, as I'm far as far as I'm concerned, is how damaged. So they basically steal a car, um, and uh, the car gets totaled, and it's like devastated. You're like they're dead. They're dead. And then there's like an I know, that's line. exactly what I thought. And I was about to get really upset. I would have been upset, I like, but I would have understood it. And I would have actually yeah. felt like that makes sense. But I think it was kind to not let them die. So there's like an it's not 80 yard. I think it might be. Um, but basically, like it says, like they got away, like the kids ran away. You can see a blood trail like they're running away. And then you get a shot of them running down some railroad tracks. And, and mm. there's a shot of uh, Vernon a little later with not enough casts. And and uh, stitches. <laughs> He's just got like three band aids. So I know. I'm just like put oh, it in the goofs. Gosh. But um, yeah, I mean, when you if you you've already been hearing about the movie, still go watch it. If you see this car accident, it's <laughs> it's there's no. I way. thought they were done. Like <laughs> there's like I blood. Really, <laughs> I know there was the like back. I I I don't oh, it's I don't ridiculous. know. Like, and I, of course that's what they want you to feel. But then when you you see them and then you hear the you know they almost died. Or yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. That's and it's good. George who finds them, who at this point, um, George, after saving the kid, is trying to be a hero and he has a hero costume. He specifically, so um, Buddy had gotten a uh, basketball uniform and uh, George is now wearing the basketball. I don't know if it was implied that George is also on the basketball team, but it seemed like they were implying that yeah. he's wearing Buddy's costume, which to me would be like, what do you know about Buddy going missing? <laughs> but uh, but I digress. Uh, the movie right. needs to continue. <laughs> so uh, we of found course. two goofs, one more, and I guess this movie's not perfect. But um, no, <laughs> no, I think this movie's great. But every so movie good. gets at least three strikes. Uh, there's a Hitchcock <laughs> line. I think it's something like uh, your movie has to ha- get all the little things right so that the extravagant things can be believable. Uh, and this movie gets all that. But. Mm. It's as uh, George is now trying to be a hero, helping his town. He's directing traffic. It's after that he ends up seeing the car accident. Uh, so there's some poetry there. Um, and comparatively, you have um, you have two things going on. George is being celebrated for being a hero for saving this kid's life, while Vernon and Sonia seem to be descending into despair. Although I would not argue it's despair because they're being actionable, uh, risky, but actionable, um, productive. We'll say that. Um, mm. And... Um, they're in a sense narratively forgiven uh, by not dying in the accident and given another chance. But it's interesting to watch the parallel of George, who effectively is the one who uh, finalized, uh, pushed 
buddy till he died uh, to his death being um i guess almost like redeemed in how he's treated i don't know if there was something the film was trying to imply about that um this is just something i'm thinking of right now like mm. because it's vernon and, and sonia don't have a community surrounding them for their good deeds whereas george actually does do a good deed he saves this kid's life i don't know if you had any thoughts right. on that or if you had seen that in the film it just seemed to like he has this fascination with heroes so this kind of just seemed to be like in his mind or in a in a strange way his own like hero story you know usually heroes mm-hmm. have some kind of horrific, tragic backstory tragedy yeah. tragic backstory um but then they find a way to to either seek redemption by doing good um, or just find a way to use their gifts just to do well, yeah, to do to do good, whether it's um, I'm, again, I'm losing my words, but I think it's like if they have a gift that was they did something bad with it, then they choose to do something good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with with George, it's just that something really terrible happened. He had an opportunity to do good and he took it. And so I feel like it's kind of, that's kind of where my brain was going as I saw him in like in his little superhero outfit. It's like his way <laughs> of redemption. Cause I also think he feels guilty because I wonder if he was upset Yes, in the, in the bathroom scene when buddy is being, everybody's pushing each other around. Buddy pushed George first. Right. So maybe George was just really mad and maybe those mad feelings are him also feeling guilty about that. Cause of course he didn't mean right. to like Absolutely. kill him by any means, but I guess in his anger or like in that childish, like pushing back when someone pushes you, he just, that could be another layer. So. Hey, don't forget. There's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. And I, I appreciate that the film, just like how the, the children and the adults talk to each other uh, kindly, the film, uh, again, like it, just the way it's directed really respects the children as adults. Like, even though this is an accident, you are responsible. Like you yeah. killed him. Uh, this is an accident, but a death, a, a life has been lost. And um, the film compares that alongside. Um, there's a parallel with the dog. So the dog has gone missing, and it's suspected that Damascus, uh, his uncle, George's uncle, has killed it. Uh, and we kind of get an allu- allusion to that. There's a light visual that looks like a piece of a dog because um, Damascus is cutting wood and it looks like there's a piece of the dog near it. Uh, and George seems to be aware. Um, and there's a scene where George is uh, trying to go to sleep. Damascus comes into the room and says, hey, can I talk to you? You wake. Uh, and just when you thought the Vernon scene wasn't enough, you get Damascus's scene. Yeah. I mean, goodness, I'm seeing you. You're like, what the heck? <laughs> like, it's um, yeah. it's uh, so Damascus, who's now he's an adult, um, and he's been a bit um, also um, confrontation, not aggressive, but like passively confrontational. So like, right, he's not super kind. Like when he um, when when George saves the kid and then comes back out. He's like, that was stupid. Just like your baptism. That was stupid. Cause he's thinking about like, you, 
you can't you're get risking, in water. Yeah. Like you can't if yeah, you get like, in water, you die. Why do we get you baptized? Yeah. Um, which is that's an interesting question. Um, but you know, baptism <laughs> right. is also uh, good. Um, but it's um, it's clear though that the, as an audience member, like with the way the film is compassionate, you're you're suspecting that might be from a place of uh, protection, um, and that maybe if he can shame George, that George would not do bad things. Um, but at this point, uh, Damascus comes in and he starts to share, like, he's like, do you think that I killed your dog? And George kind of doesn't answer, but he doesn't say no. Uh, and Damascus starts to share about this traumatic experience when he was a kid where a dog, uh, violated him and he was scared and humiliated. And so then he, he was only six, I think he was he was six. Really yeah. Young. He's really young. And he got away, but then he says he specifically tried to get a knife and go find the dog to kill it. And he couldn't. And now he's an adult. And we know from the beginning of the movie, he still isn't like dogs. And dogs are a problem. They are being aggressive when they're trying to work. They're probably wild dogs. And so when he, he says, like, I saw this dog and I, I killed it. I, and I had learned that from your sister, it was your dog. And I'm so sorry. Yeah. And uh, he specifically, like, shares, like, that he's, like, he, he doesn't use these words, but he's, like, he's basically saying he's ashamed he feels feel bad. Sorry. Yeah. He, there's no excuse. Like this is your dog. Um, you cared about it. He he's probably aware of the fact that George likes animals. He is constantly holding animals throughout the movie back and forth. Right. Um, and um, and he shares like I'm just afraid of what God's going to do to me. Um, which I think is fair and a good thing to think when when you're a sinner <laughs> which is all yeah, of us no, definitely. to yeah. be afraid of like the things that you do are bad um produce justice that needs to be paid for and in Christ the joy of Christ is knowing that like when we believe that he did die on the cross for our sins and resurrected and that he is God that he is to be trusted um, the sins that the payment we deserve is put on him. And that's all of it. That's everything. So the sin you committed today, if you suffer consequences for it, it's not payment. It's consequences. That's momentum. That's more like physics. Whereas like the eternal damnation and the suffering that will be coming from your injustice, that's been covered. And this movie displays, I think, like the occasional times you remember that you're a sinner and the occasional times you're uh, your eyes have been open to sins because yes. I am being redeemed. So there's definitely things I'm doing. I don't know what, but there's definitely things I'm doing that are sins. <laughs> Hopefully they get refined. Right. And I think it's interesting how church is part of their culture or just yes. that, yeah. that Jesus is part of their culture. So it's like they, there's this awareness that they're sinners. You know, what does it say in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Yeah, or the Jeremiah 17.9, like the heart is de deceitful above all things and wickedly sick. <laughs> Who can understand it? Yeah, so like Sonia is aware that she's bad, that her family is bad. There's like right. this awareness of wrongdoing, but their responses to it are different. You know, so, you know, it seems like he, he knows... Damascus, right? That's uh, his uncle. Yes. He knows that he wants to kind of seek him for forgiveness. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would go as far as saying that they are believers, but it's just, in, I mean, I don't know, but the characters themselves or what was meant by that, but it's definitely part of their culture to, to acknowledge that God does exist, even if it's not part of their everyday 
lifestyle. There's like, like you said, there's this awareness that they've done wrong and that uh, they want to make it right in some way. Which I, which I, um, movies like this, I, I find more, more profitable when it comes to something like spirituality, I'll, I'll say spirituality, not necessarily just Christianity, but spirituality. And I'm not trying to get to like new agey or like charismatic mm. stuff. What I mean by that right. is just the awareness of God. Um, yeah. What I appreciate is that like, I don't need a movie to start with like the guy sins and then he stops. Like, I don't need a, a the case for Christ, right? I don't need like mm-hmm. he's a sinner. He's trying to deny God. Then he gets, doesn't. And then he repents. And now he understands you like there that itself is its own story. And the case for Christ mm-hmm. is a pretty decent movie. Uh, it looks really good. It's well-performed, well-acted watching the lead get more and more stressed because he's getting more and more mad about this. Like, does God exist or not? thing is really good. Like that's some good directing, but not every movie is that. And I, I think I like that this movie is more just like, like just like how we set it up. It is a um, film that is just a period of time where these characters are experiencing probably extreme heat, just a period of time where these characters are all responding to and reacting to uh, the events in their life. And I, I think what's, uh, what I appreciate is that like they, like this particular scene, Damascus, like even though I, I trust that Christ has died for me. I'm also the man saying like, help my unbelief. And then there's other times where I am the man who is like Damascus going like, I am afraid of God right now. And that's a good fear. Mm. Like, that's a, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's like the, the yeah. literal start of Proverbs. So like it's, um, and, and that's the beginning you develop into a understanding of perfect love cast out fear, but there's a fluctuation. And I think um, part of that sanctification is that fluctuation and uh it's just the spectrum i feel like of christian living and so for me like i think what i appreciate about this being an ensemble cast is we get the dynamic like you could be at one point of each character's life yeah at any time for sure because like george's heroic response is not irrational like it's actually like if you recognize you've done something bad it's not that you do good things to pay back the bad because then in essence, you're still like enslaved to the bad thing you did. Like you are still beholden right. to this bad thing. You do good because it's good. And it seems like George sort of moves forward with that. I, I interpret it that way at least. Um, and maybe he's changing back and forth. Maybe he's doing it because it's the right thing to do. And it seems like George did that before. So uh, there's no reason not to believe it now. But also he's probably carrying that weight of like, my past now includes like, like we didn't just kill him. We hit his body. Then <laughs> we didn't just hide his body. But George yeah. in particular takes the body, cleans it in the Creek, which is like a reverse, a new baptism, um, a post death baptism, very poetic. And then leaves the body in the Creek to be found. Um, and so causes other people trauma basically. Um, right. But, but it's also a kid and also it's fiction and it's a story and it's interesting, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, all that to say is this movie's really good. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, no, the, the movie is really, excellent. Really and good. I think that, you know, you could, I think there's a lot of like, uh, you know, some, we could, we could watch it later and like, Oh, I didn't realize that was there or pull something from it. But, um, I, I just appreciated its simplicity. Yes. 
And just the way that it was able to capture this authentic adolescent experience. I mean, whether, um, wherever you might stand, I think it's something that uh, a lot of people can respond to. So like my response, of course, looking at it through the lens of a believer with Mm -hmm. some of those monologues would just be like, I want to share the gospel with you. And I, (laughs) and I would, you know, I want this character to know that, um, there is freedom in Christ and, um, to show like that warmth, right? Like that. I know you've done something horrible and I love you because I love you, not because you're lovable. Like, right. Like wonderful. And, you know, just to know that there is forgiveness, um, at the cross. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, there's this still just looking at it from just the, the nature of the film and that perspective, you can even still appreciate the fact that it's like, these are just real people. These are their portrayals. Like the, the way they portray it, it feels very real. These are just their responses to life and Mm -hmm. to the circumstances that they're in. And it just felt very authentic. Just all the things that they said, all the things that they how they responded to things. It was just, it was just really moving for, for a lot of different reasons. I'm probably still going to be thinking about it um, yep. tomorrow <laughs> and maybe have some new thoughts about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think it's a really good film. I would hope that if people do watch it, that they would enjoy it. And I like how the ending wasn't like some kind of resolution. Cause I don't know if you, I think you did mention it. I, I don't remember if you did, but you know, there are people investigating the death of yes. buddy, even though it's not the prominent, like the biggest part. Cause it, the biggest part of the film is them grieving, seeking redemption, processing on their own. Yes. Um, but in the background, they're like, Oh, we got to get out of here. Oh, we, or I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, cause they're, they're coming to my house. They're asking me questions. So it's not like, Buddy dies and then everybody forgets about him. Yes, like, no, yeah. people are still thinking about him. There is still a real investigation for this horrible tragedy. Yeah, Sonia is the one who actually. So when they are being questioned, George Vernon and, and Sonia, the first time, none of them really say anything. Uh, and Sonia, in particular, literally says nothing. Uh, or no, she says uh, they ask like, "When's the last time you saw Buddy?" And Vernon says like, "You know, two weeks ago or whatever." And then Sonia says, six months ago." <laughs> it's just like right. she's obviously done this before. Right. Um, and, uh, which is chuckle worthy. It's like, it's, it's a very dark humor, uh, moment. And, um, but Sonia in particular is the one who then goes and says like, Hey, like he tripped, like it's, it, you know, like, and an like there's something kind of sweet about like, I think it's like my ears in particular, like went like, you didn't say it was George <laughs> and, but you know what? Like it was the three of them. Like they were all roughhousing. Nobody helped each other. Um, they, and you know, they don't know what they're doing. They're kids, but also, right. They don't know what they're doing. They're kids. And so there's some right. responsibility present in that. And, and I think that might be even her own little sliver of redemption. Yeah, she's exposing In a herself. way, yeah. just by telling telling the truth. Yes. Telling the truth and not trying to cover it up anymore. So like with George, he reveals the body, you know, mm-hmm. and so that it can be found, realizing that hiding him was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then with, with her, she confesses. We didn't do it on purpose. It was an accident. Yeah. And Vernon, he doesn't run away. He stays. Um, he, we have a shot of him on a rooftop and he's kind of hanging out there. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's just, it's one heck of a summer. That's for sure. It's right, um, something very memorable. It it all comes together. And, and even at the end, like there's something. So what I found most like, like this, 
I, I cry a lot with movies. Everyone knows this at this point. Um, but like this, like was literally like, I was having difficulty seeing the screen at the end when basically nausea, who doesn't know anything about what happened, um, right. is sitting next to George. George is wearing his costume. He's just like taking a water break. <laughs> it's really cute. Yeah. Um, and nausea basically just says these really sweet, like things like, and things that in fiction get me every time where like a character says to another and she says to him, like, like, you're going to do great things and yeah. uh, you're going to live forever. Like just these things that yeah. like to me are just so, I don't know. There's something so like, like no one would ever say that unless you love them to me. And uh, I just yeah. think that they're just the sweetest things in the world. <laughs> and, um, and then the movie ends with that. So earlier there were a couple of cutaways um, and it showed like, I think when it was talking, I don't remember what it was talking about, but it showed presidents. It showed, um, not just presidents, but important people in their old photos in black and white. And then the end of the film is George getting a, it's shot in black and white and it's George getting a, a kid's themed presidential photo. And it's very oh, cute. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and then the movie ends and uh, he drinks like some soda and then it's over. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention um, another, like just a kind thing that Damascus does after he confesses is, um, <laughs> And this might be weird, but I think it's sweet. Uh, and if it's the poetry of the film, I, I thought it was. He takes the 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 pelt of the dead dog that he killed, that was George's dog, and turns it into a hat for George. Because uh, throughout the movie, we know George is supposed to be wearing the helmet, but more often than not, he's carrying it. And it's clear because, yeah. like you know, as a character, is like he doesn't want to wear it. Like it's tiresome, it's annoying, yeah. it's painful, and it's also yeah, it's uncomfortable. And here they plainly say like Damascus knows it's uncomfortable, so he made him this comfortable, cushioned hat of the dog yeah. skin. And it's just really, it's like it's like the best ending. <laughs> it's very sweet. Um, and so the movie ends with him just uh, getting this presidential photo, and everyone's happy, right? And life life is perfect from this on out. They're going to be smooth sailing. Nothing bad ever happened. Um, no, it's mm. uh it's just like a it's a movie that I feel for me, yeah, I also really, really recommend it. I obviously I I don't um if people who tune in follow my letterbox, um, they know that I'm not giving out high ratings all the time. Uh I probably become a lot more comfortable with seven and eights lately, but um this is my first ten in a long time. Like this really like just floored me. And I I I don't know. I it, it blows my mind that people were showing Hangman's Curse at youth groups in 2001, <laughs> 2003. <laughs> and this movie came out in 2000. They could have just been showing uh, George Washington. Oh my gosh. There's so much to talk about. Um, there would be a lot of interesting <laughs> things to talk about. I mean, even I think just for us, just talking about the gospel and forgiveness in Christ, I think there would just be, and how we can be reminded and think on those things even looking at just people who are depressed and sad about this horrific thing that happened. Yeah. And the, and even if the movie can showcase multi-generational relationships, why can't we just institute them? <laughs> I don't know. It's mm. just, I am, I'm a big fan of, of that. So yeah, I, I thought uh, George Washington is great. Check it out wherever you can. Pure Flix or Criterion right now, or just buy the <laughs> Criterion release. It's not that expensive. Did you know Cinematic Doctrine has a blog? Visit cinematicdoctrine.com to read extended thoughts on movies or movie industry news from our contributors. Plus, you can find our podcast on there, too. Uh, I guess we'll go into recommendations. 
today I'm actually recommending an anime, so it's not in theme. Cool. Outside of theme. And it is called Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, fun. It's uh, very, very cute. It's a Miyazaki film. He's done a lot of... People will compare him as like Japan's Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I would do that just because I think the films are just very, very different, um, especially like in style and in direction. But... Um, I'd, I'd say what they have in common is their their children's films. Usually, Miyazaki did one adult film, but anyway, Mononoke, right? I, that's probably the I'm guessing. Yeah, Princess Mononoke. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, Kiki's Delivery Service is about a young witch who has this mandatory year of independent life where she has to go out on her own and kind of find her her gift, like what her speciality is going to be. And um, when she's settling in on this new community, she, through a series of events, decides to have her own delivery service. And it sounds a little silly kind of describing it out loud, but I would say I would highly recommend it. It is incredibly charming and lighthearted and sweet and fun. And you just fall in love with the characters. I think it's now... I will say this very carefully. I know a lot of people <laughs> who hate dubbing because they're like, Uh-oh. it's horrible. It's never as good as just listening to it in Japanese. What's about to be said. I was going to say, I thought the dubbing was very good. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I know people are like, we hate that. But I would say if you're someone who um, would prefer to watch it in English, I think it's pretty good. But then of course, if you're someone who would prefer to listen to it in uh, Japanese or any, your native or any other language, um, I think it does come in other languages. I would have to double check that. So don't quote me, but I know that of course it's in English and they have it in Japan, the original Japanese. So you've got the options. It's a great film. I hope if you do give it a, give it a shot, you'll enjoy it. I am going to recommend eighth grade, uh, just another, Another very well done, very kind of accurate period, like almost slice of life movie, just like this one that is, yeah, about coming of age, um, growing up in a world. uh, The premise is really just uh, growing up in a world of which we all do every time, every character forever. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, Elsie Fisher plays our lead character. I'm just going to get the name real quick. Kayla, she is finishing her last week of eighth grade before she goes into high school. Um, and it kind of goes through like going to a party that she wasn't invited to and going to, uh, which she was forced to be invited to by the parent of the kid who did not invite her. Um, mm. Well, not forced to, but invited by the parent, not the kid, right. um, which is embarrassing. And then being on social yes. media, which is hard. And then going to right. hang out with high schoolers, which is scary. And the difficulty of your dad, who's embarrassing. Um, it is mm. extremely funny, uh, directed by Bo Burnham, but it is not a comedy it is not a movie in fact i i've described it and it's not irrational to say this it's a horror movie because it is so relatably stressful i didn't grow up Mm. a young girl uh but i know what it's like to have a lot of some of these like traumas and difficulties not not one in particular but like it's um it's just really good um and it's it's extremely compassionate it's extremely kind it's a uh, very modern like it it feels like a movie that I would say is still pretty accurate um 
the social media in particular is Instagram, and I think Instagram's still huge. So um, it's not, it yeah. was not Facebook, thank goodness. Good. Um, I think like during production, the script said Facebook, and Elsie Fisher was like, "Yo, nobody uses Facebook. <laughs> what do you want?" <laughs> and so they switched it to Instagram. Um, yeah. But it's just it's delightful. It's just wonderful. I think it'll end up being one of your favorite movies if you check it out. And uh, yeah, ninety four minutes. It's quick, just like George Washington. It's super short. So. Um, and I would say uh, a much easier watch than uh, George Washington. Um, I can, it's not spoilers. Nobody dies. Uh, so, so check it out. Eighth grade. Very good. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.